the month of August has arrived. It seems like the summertime has completely flown by. It took about five minutes for June and July to completely go by. Here in South Georgia, August is still a hot season, but some of our listeners are further north, and so they may not have such a long air conditioning season. And you may be gearing up to start doing your fall maintenances this time of year. But with Service Business Mastery, August means it's a month of talking to people about marketing. We have digital marketers and some paper marketers and just different people who are talking about, we have entire marketing agencies and some people who focus on strictly pay-per-click. Today's episode is with Mark Levesque, and one of his focuses is primarily on pay-per-click. After speaking with Mark for a brief period, I was able to learn several new things about pay-per-click. Very interesting to me, very intriguing to me, and I hope that you find his knowledge as interesting as I did. Please let myself and Mark know your thoughts and feedback on this conversation. You can share it in our Facebook group or reach out to us directly. As usual, my best point of contact is either Facebook on my personal page or in the Service Business Mastery Podcast group. If you're not in that group on Facebook or if you're not on Facebook at all and you would like to have a conversation about everything that we've discussed in this interview, please reach out to me via email. My email is tersh, T-E-R-S-H, at bluecollarroots.com. Shoot me over an email and... Let's talk about your thoughts on this interview. Hello, this is Tersh. Hey, Tersh. It's Mark from WebRunner. How's it going? Good. How are you? I'm doing very well, very well. You got a couple minutes. I do. I do. Can you tell me a little bit about yourself? What you got? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Let's get into it. So, Tersh, I mean, we've had uh, conversations in the past, but curious to learn more about Placeit. And I mentioned I'd be giving you a call so we can have that chat. Yeah. Placeit, in short, is a lead gen system that we created to basically add a layer of predictability to contractors' businesses. Is predictability something that means anything to you? Sound interesting? Or- oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> do you work with like any contractors, or is it like service-based contractors, like air conditioning? Because you know I do air conditioning work, but uh, some of my friends they do like plumbing and electrical. So is it that type of work, or is it like building houses stuff? What's going to benefit the most on there? Yeah, so let me take a bit of a step back. So WebRunner is the agency we work with, call it the home improvement space, basically anything to do with the home. So the bulk of our clientele, I guess if you put them in different categories, we've got replacement contractors, so roofing, siding, windows, doors, HVAC systems like in your case, and then remodelers. So the people who are doing additions to homes, they're doing kitchen, bathroom remodels, that sort of thing. We've also got restoration companies, which is another big category. So after big storms, hailstorms, whatnot, floods, companies that come in and basically clean up the mess and then rebuild. So I'd say those are kind of the three categories there. So what exactly does Placeit do? I can speak at length about what Placeit is. Basically, <laughs> Placeit's an acronym. Don't ask me how we came up with the name. One of the guys here at the office, actually Ben came up with it. So Place the word, P is for paid ads, L is for landing pages, A is for A-B testing, C is for call tracking and E is for email notification. That's the acronym. Don't ask me what the IT is for. We just put it there because it sounds better. 
one of the guys said that the IT is for increase in leads flow and transforming your marketing. So, hey, those are catchy too. So, <laughs> yeah. Place it as a system, as a marketing company, I've had the business for six, seven years now, and it hasn't been this nice linear path that we've been on. When we started our company, we were essentially like chickens with our heads cut off. We were trying to do everything for everybody, right? So we'd offer a bunch of different marketing services to a bunch of different industries. And so that wasn't really scalable. I got a lot of contractor buddies that that story, it just rings a bell with them. No systems in place, difficult to scale. You're kind of just everywhere. Been there, done that. Yeah. A couple of years in, we realized that, hey, we're experts in one particular thing, and that's paid advertising. And when I say paid advertising, if that's foreign to some of you, I'm referring to pay-per-click advertising on Google. So AdWords, it's actually not called AdWords anymore. Uh, just this month, actually, Google is changing their whole naming convention to Google Ads. So it's Google Ads, Facebook Ads. We're basically experts in placing money online via the different digital channels that exist. So we basically turned away some manufacturing customers, distribution customers, e-commerce type customers to basically get really, really close to our contractor type of clients. And we basically developed PlaceIt as a system to streamline what we were doing. We're seeing results in one area for a lot of our customers. And we said, hey, this is something that we can definitely scale and people get value from it. And basically, I brought up the word predictability because that's what our system looks to do. And unfortunately, a lot of companies out there, it's one of the areas where they lack. Things just aren't predictable. They're relying heavily on word of mouth and referrals, which between me and you, Tersh, it is the best kind of business you can get. But unfortunately, it's not predictable. You can't count on it month to month. Absolutely. With your program, do you build landing pages too? I mean, you do it from start to finish or is this something that I'm going to have to have a pretty solid website already. And then, cause I don't know a whole lot about paid advertisement. I've delved a little bit into SEO myself, but I kind of went the route of I'll just tough it out for six months to a year and wait for my SEO to pick up and then avoid the pay-per-click ad or strategy. Was I doing something wrong there or am I leaving something on the table that I could have been getting money other ways? And if so, like how much work is involved in doing something like that. Yeah. You weren't necessarily doing anything wrong. I think most people just have tendency to think that way. I think anytime you hear that there's a cost associated to certain clicks that can scare people. Oh yeah. That's terrifying. <laughs> yeah. And then when you hear that SEO, SEO is free, it seems like a much more compelling or much more interesting sort of business proposition. And so the natural tendency or the reaction people have is to focus on what costs less, but in the grand scheme of things, it's really not how it is, right? You've been doing SEO now, so you know that SEO is not free. It takes time. It takes somebody who knows how to do keyword research. You got to be producing content. You've got to be publishing that content regularly. Google has to index that content. How does Google index it or how does that content show up on the different search engine results pages? Well, I mean, there's hundreds of different ranking factors that come into play there. It really is a science. SEO does work, takes time. And so our paid advertising system, our place it system isn't meant to replace everything out there. When we talk marketing, if we look at marketing holistically, I mean, there's so many things that you can be doing. Our system is really 
geared to help somebody get results quickly and it's geared to help them scale the business. One of the things that we bring up often in our sales conversations with prospects and contractors that are looking to grow is a couple stats that a company by the name of HubSpot in the US, they're out of Boston, they share. These guys do a ton of research, they publish a ton of case studies and the two things that they found across all industries for marketing specifically, right? Across the board, any industry was that the biggest challenges that companies faced were number one, generating leads, and number two, proving the ROI of those marketing activities. So our playset system looks to address those two issues, right? We try to make it consistent and predictable, right? The rate at which you're able to generate leads, and we try to make it crystal clear as to what's working, what's not. So it's black and white, right? You know, after a month or two, is this something I need to keep putting money into or I need to stop putting money into? Or hey, maybe I need to double down and go all in on this tactic because it's working. So that's really the whole thing about paid advertising. Yes, your clicks are gonna cost you money, but the thing is we can dial it in so quickly that once we've built out landing pages and we've created the campaigns, we're really going after people who have a very specific intent I mean, in your business, right? If an air conditioning unit lets go, people want to get that fixed as soon as possible, right? What's the first thing they're going to do? They're going to pick up their mobile phone. They're going to go and search for a local HVAC contractor. I mean, therein lies the opportunity right now with Google. You can get in front of people based on their intent. And Facebook is the other platform where we invest a lot of dollars. People aren't necessarily there looking for things, but there's a whole other world of opportunities where advertisers like yourself can get your brand and your service offering out there in front of people at peanuts compared to what it used to cost years ago. So anyways, I'm sure we'll get into more of that later, but that's a placement system in a nutshell. Is there a way for me to just advertise on mobile versus desktop? That way I can avoid sometimes because I feel like if something breaks, people immediately grab their phone and they go straight to your search. And so if I can spend more money via mobile, I don't think that a lot, and I could be wrong with this. You correct me if I'm wrong. There's not a lot of people who go fire up their desktop and, okay, let's start searching for this. Like immediately pull out their phone and start Google searching a reputable air conditioning company in town. Is that true? Yay or nay? Or Yeah, it's absolutely true. I mean, the way people search is different across the board, right? So if you look at different demographics, take an older clientele, they might be more, maybe less inclined to use a mobile phone. Maybe they're more of the desktop type. Are you able to target one or the other or do a different landing page for each one of them? You can slice and dice your campaigns and bid in so many different ways. It's incredible. I mean, you can bid, right? You can pay more for certain times throughout the day, certain days. Obviously, you can geo-target everything. For our restoration companies, we've got uh, bidding that changes based on the weather. Oh, yeah. There's all sorts of neat things that you can do there. And that's really where kind of the optimization piece comes in. I'm a firm believer that there are certain aspects of marketing where people like me should be kind of focusing my time. And then there are certain aspects of marketing where I can't come in there and try to represent your brand in every single aspect. I think there's things that you just naturally would never be able to outsource to a company like ours. So I think there's some homework there for contractors to do, figure out what it is that they should be investing their time in and what shouldn't they be investing their time in. So when you talk about these different types of bidding strategies and structuring your campaigns, and these are areas that it can get dangerous and you can waste a lot of money if you don't really know what you're doing. And so I think that that's my fear. And I know that most of my friends that I talk to that aren't in the marketing aspect of things, 
that's their fear is like, okay, well I spend, let's say it's 20 or $30 for a click. Like what happens if one of my competitors goes and clicks on it? Or what happens if at the end of the day, I have like a thousand dollars worth of clicks, but nobody actually called or that kind of stuff. I think that the fear of the unknown is rampant among us as contractors. (laughs) No, for sure. During the summertime, we typically, I would say most companies are going to stay busy air conditioning wise. So we oftentimes will just neglect our marketing and then wait until it's wintertime to freak out and say, Hey, the phone's not ringing. It's time to get the ball rolling right now. Is that okay with your system? Like, is it short term like results or is it going to be not quite SEO time period? But I guess the basic question is, is, how long does it take from the time you start until the time we get the ball rolling in case we drag it out a little bit? I tell you that paid advertising as a whole works very much like a light switch. You turn it on, it works. You turn it off, it stops working. So it may not necessarily be something that you want to build your entire marketing strategy off of long-term. I think that, again, We've done SEO, we've done inbound marketing, we've done email marketing, marketing automation. We've touched everything under the sun when it comes to marketing. We're we're definitely proficient marketing experts across the board. We've chosen to focus on paid ads because it's where we drive the most value. It's what's the most measurable and it's where we can get results the fastest. So yes, we can turn it on, we can turn it off. That said, the company who turns off his marketing because it's summertime, he's already too busy or whatnot. I mean, that's where I think contractors need to do a little bit more digging, right? I think it comes back to defining the objectives. What are you trying to do with your business? Are you just trying to stay busy and keep yourself enough jobs so you can have you, a couple employees and one or two trucks on the road? Or are you looking to build something a little bit larger scale where you want to add trucks, you want to add staff, and you want to build a business where you can potentially get acquired one day? I think these are the questions you need to be asking yourselves because if the latter is the case, then you should really never be turning off any kind of marketing. I mean, you should be just trying to scale, scale, scale to say, hey, I can't take this on. I've got too much business. I mean, that's a problem, right? It's a problem I know a lot of people would love to have. But (laughs) (laughs) With that being said, have you ever gone down the route of advertising for hiring employees? I think that from the little bit of research that I have done in the past, I feel like that's one of the key words that you would always avoid, or isn't there a way that you can put certain keywords in there? So don't show up for this type thing. And that would be like employment or application or hiring or something like that. Is that true or no? Or have they changed it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can have negative keyword lists if we're talking about pay-per-click here, search. Again, there's some general terms that across the board, we've got some negative lists built out that we use and that we repurpose based on the industry. Obviously, if hiring is something that you're looking to do, we have had a few clients in the past who have seeked advice from us to help them find talent, but it's not at the core of what we do, obviously, but it is definitely possible. But hiring is one of these things that, again, just talking to a lot of contractors is something that is almost like advertising, right? You're, you should technically always be hiring. You're always looking for good talent. I mean, it's so hard to find people. When you do, you want to find them. You want to train them, train them properly. You want to keep them. Once they're in-house and they're working, they're good and they're delivering results, I mean, you want them to help you find more people and it just grows. And so that sort of mimics kind of the <laughs> the whole inbound marketing methodology to a certain degree, right? It's a pull versus push. It's not like a one and done thing, right? Hopefully not anyways. <laughs> yeah. We touched a little bit on the website. Do we 
need a website? Do we have to have a website for this to work? Or is this something that we can get the ball rolling on while we're working on a website? Or what's your recommendation on that? So here's my train of thought. Now, this is an opinion, right? So I'll take it or leave it. (laughs) But this is based on my experience. The type of contractor that's in front of me will basically dictate what info I'm going to share with them. There's times where I'll have a new business come to me and say, hey, we're just looking to get started. We're spinning off or we're starting a new division. We don't have our website yet, but we want to get going. Do we wait? Because everybody knows a website to do properly, it can take anywhere from a month or two to God knows how long, right? These projects with the scope creeping things, it just they just never end, right? And websites are technically never truly 100% finished. But All that to say, no, you don't necessarily need to have a website. I've seen businesses today that are killing it online. They're generating tons of leads, delivering results to their customers. They're making money. They're profitable all without a website. And it's all done with landing pages. So the whole thing with a website, we don't bash websites. I think everybody needs to have a website. But at the end of the day, you shouldn't wait to have your website or to have your website be perfect before you start advertising. That was going to be kind of my follow-up question there is, if we do need a website, should it be just finished it and work on it along the way? I know that that's not your specialty, or should it be perfect? And I guess just getting it and what your opinion is, is get it up there and then work on it along the way. Well, Tersh, put it this way. If you're spending money to drive traffic to a website, which is broken, which is slow, which is poorly optimized. I mean, you're wasting your money, right? So don't do that. And the same thing goes with landing pages, right? I would only send traffic to a landing page if it's truly optimized to convert. One of the biggest things I see today is people who are sending traffic to a website, whether it be organic or paid traffic. Everybody should know that of the, let's say, 100 people who come to your website today, there are only maybe two, three, four, five percent of those people who will actually convert. And when we say convert, we mean we'll pick up the phone and call you, we'll fill out a form, we'll basically take the action that you're expecting people to take once they get on your website. So there's a whole slew of people that aren't taking that action. Now that can be because they're at work, they don't have time to pick up the phone and call you, they're busy, something popped up or whatnot, they're just doing some preliminary research, right? They might be thinking of changing their furnace, their air conditioning unit, but they're not quite there yet. They're at the very beginning of their path to purchase. So retargeting is something that's super important and businesses need to be looking at. So having the retargeting uh, tags set up and the Facebook pixel, the Google's conversion and retargeting tags, these are things that are free. They're out there. You just got to get them installed on a website. So That's probably one area where I'd say, hey, if you're sending people to your website, make sure at the very least you've got conversion tracking set up, you've got all your retargeting tags installed because you'll need that. Otherwise, you're just wasting money. Now, that retargeting, is that something that you do also with Placeit? Yeah, exactly. The concept there is simple, right? I mean, if I'm working with a replacement contractor who does, let's say, windows, doors, and then vinyl siding, okay? three different types of services within each of those. There's many different variations in terms of quality of products, brands, and so forth. So the reason why we would elect to use a landing page is because if somebody does a search for vinyl siding, well, I don't want to take them to a website that talks about roofing, that talks about garage doors, that talks about foundation repair, that talks about all these other things, right? I want to take them to one page that has the exact keyword that he searched for. And if we look at the page aesthetically, all the imagery, all of the reviews, all of the customer testimonials that would be on that page are all geared to get that person to understand that this is the best contractor 
for your vinyl siding replacement repair job. So that's why we use a landing page. A landing page is really a lot of social proof with just enough information to make a decision. Whereas a website is typically the opposite. We see websites whereby there's a ton of information, sometimes to the point where it's overwhelming, and there's too little social proof. So this is why we use landing pages. And then obviously with a landing page, we can isolate certain variables on there like image, button text, offers, the structure, the layout of the page. And then we can, over time, try to change out some of these elements to see if by making a fine tweak, if we can get a better reaction or a better result. Do you ever take your landing pages and integrate those into a website? Like if you have like a super successful landing page and then just take it and say, okay, this thing works so well, let's integrate it into the website. Or do they not work the same if somebody's looking? Like you said, are they looking for the 2,000-word blog post or would a landing page work on a website? So the answer to that is yes. There are times where one of our landing pages converts so well that the company that we're working with will decide to sort of mimic the look and feel, the style, the flow, the verbiage, whatever we've done with our landing page. They will try to restructure their website so that it's more in line with what we've done. Alternatively, I mean, many times when we're deploying these pages live, we can choose to host them on the landing page platform. We use Unbounce, by the way, if, I mean, not that name would mean anything to anybody, but Unbounce is a landing page creation tool. We're an enterprise user of that platform, an agency partner. So when we build out pages for our clients, we build them out on Unbounce and Unbounce integrates directly with WordPress, which is a content management system that the majority of the websites that are out there today are built off of. So we can choose to just install a quick little plugin and host the landing pages right on the website. Cool. Yeah. That's really interesting. And obviously we can control the on-page SEO, all the metadata and the descriptions, the tags and all that stuff. Is that something, do you have it placed somewhere so that I could see it so it doesn't look like Latin to me whenever I look at it? Because I'm not a web designer, I'm not a marketer, so I don't necessarily know what I'm looking at. Do you have a way for me to see that so it's not so confusing or so I not kind of know what I'm looking at every month or so or however often we talk? In terms of results? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. I think that's probably at the core of what we do, right? We talk about measurability. So it's nice that we can create beautiful landing pages that are made to convert. We've got the campaigns that aim to bring the right kind of traffic to the pages. We test them, we improve them, then we've got to report back on that. So that's where the call tracking and the email notifications come in. So our landing pages, what we've done is we've integrated them directly with uh, what we call a, a lead sheet system. So some of the contractors we work with, they're already using more sophisticated customer relationship management tools. Some use MarketSharp, some use, I mean, there are so many of them. And then sometimes there's contractors that aren't, they're just using Excel or Google Docs or whatnot. So We've built a system whereby as soon as a lead comes in from a landing page, whether it be a phone call, an email, a form submission rather, excuse me, or a live chat, those are typically the three different conversion types that you got on a web page or on a website. So when our campaigns drive a lead, that lead then gets spit out into this Excel doc. So we know, okay, a lead came in. Was it a call, a form, a chat? We know who it was. We've got the phone number, location, specifically what service they're interested in. And then it gets tagged as new lead. 
So the contractor has to keep that up to date. And that's something they can do daily, weekly, monthly. Everyone's different. Then we have added a column in there so that the contractors can choose to report back financial data. So if an opportunity turns into new business, they close one of these leads, it turns into a new siding job at $10,000. If they report back that, hey, I made $10,000 of revenue on this job, or maybe they'll say, hey, I'm totally fine reporting the actual a gross profit. Maybe they'll say, hey, I made $3,000 gross profit on this job. Well, then that gets put into our reports and we use Google's uh, reporting platform for that uh, data studio. So we've got a nice dynamic kind of a one-page report where we're showing the contractors that we work with, okay, this is how many people came to the landing pages. Okay. Who cares about that? Here's how many leads we drove. Okay. Interesting. More importantly, here's how many turned into customers. And more importantly than that, here's how much of a return you're getting for every dollar, for every marketing dollar that you've spent. So that's where it gets really interesting. And that's where, again, the whole measurability thing comes in. If I can tell you as an HVAC contractor, Tersh, if you spend a dollar, I'm going to give you back eight. What's the likelihood of you continuing to work with me next month? I'm throwing dollar bills at you. (laughs) Exactly. When we start working with customers, well, they'll ask us, well, how much should we spend? You know, and how long does this take? And the answers to these questions, we're only able to tell with time. It's sometimes it's a bit of a pay to play game, right? So usually we'll get people on board for a small pilot, a couple months. We have no contracts, by the way. So we eliminate all risk on the contractor side. We do a lot of work up front. If contractors don't stay with us after three, four months, I mean, we've definitely lost money just because of the time that's gone into it. So our goal is to get results. And the results, what we're reporting at the end of the month, is what dictates very often what you should do next. Should you spend more money? Should you spend less money? Or should you stop working with WebRunner altogether? It's that black or white, right? So it's no longer you or I calling the shots. It's the data. There's no emotion involved in it. It's No, exactly. And so that's where when people say, oh my gosh, the cost per click or the cost per lead or who cares about all that? What we need to look at, and again, in our sales process, we go through this. We've got this nifty little calculator where we look at all this data before bringing anybody on, we want to make sure it's a good fit. We go through the numbers to see, does it even make sense? So we've got an idea in terms of what a lead might cost within a certain territory for a certain type of contracting business. We'll take a look at the budget right? that the contractor is comfortable starting off with. So that may be 1000 2000 3000 It might be 50000 right? Depends. And that's per month? Per month, exactly. Yeah. So from there, we can sort of come up with a bit of a hypothesis. We say, okay, well, we can expect to get somewhere around 25, 30, 40, maybe 50 leads. Okay, great. Now, again, it's the contractor who's relaying this back to us. They'll say, well, I think I've got a closing rate of about 20%. That's another thing that's really neat about the system is that over time, it sheds light on a lot of these thoughts and these beliefs that we have about our businesses. Everybody thinks that they've got a great closing rate. When you actually see the data, can almost guarantee you it's not as good as what you think. Oh yeah. So maybe a little bit scary in that sense, but that calculator, the focus is just to see, hey, how much can we afford to spend on acquiring a new customer? And so that's really the number that uh, I think if there's a takeaway in this, people need to remember, don't be so focused on how much traffic you're getting or what your clicks are costing you. Even yes, a lead cost is important, but what's more important is what is a customer costing you? If your average deal size is $3,000 and off that you're making 30%, okay, you're putting 900 bucks in your pocket. Well, if it costs you $500 to acquire a customer, that means you're only keeping 400 bucks. Does that make business sense to you or not? That's how you decide if it's worth continuing. So, Now with our CRM that we use currently as Service Titan, and I have the ability to actually go in and add a link 
I don't know the technical term for it, but it's basically I put in the script on the website and they're able to schedule their own service call and it goes straight to our dispatch board. Obviously, we have to approve it because it may be out of our service area or something like that. But is that something that you could put on a landing page? So where the landing page is like, okay, let's take the lead, you know, the communication portion of it out of it, like the delay in us calling you to actually get the call scheduled. Can you just go ahead and schedule your service call right now and tell us what the problem is? Is that something that we can put on a landing page? Absolutely. So the good folks at Service Titan, I mean, they've got a best of breed solution on their hands, love their software. They've developed it such that it plays nice with the type of things that we're doing, right? So they've got nice little neat JavaScripts that we can embed into our landing pages so that we don't have to reinvent the wheel and recreate these scheduling systems, right? It's all been done. It exists. We just use that off-the-shelf software and plug it into our system and it works. Oh, sweet. That's easy enough. Anybody that's using Service Titan. Are there any other ones like House Call Pro or anything like that that you know of that are doing the similar things? They all do sort of similar things. The ones that we hear most are basically Service Titan, again, depending on the type of contractor and then Market Sharp for the remodelers and the replacement contractors. But yeah, those are the ones that come to mind. But we've got a list of a whole bunch of others. I mean, what we're doing is nothing, I would say, really proprietary or anything that's unique. We haven't reinvented the wheel, right? We're just experts in paid ads and we build out the landing pages. It's important for our landing pages to be able to push and pull data to whatever systems our customers are using. And so technology is at a point now where these things are usually pretty standard, pretty easy. Whenever we first met on LinkedIn and it was because of your summit, but I was slammed that month. So I wasn't able to actually attend it or view it or anything like that. Can you tell me about it? You had a good excuse, Tersh. I did. Yeah, you I had did. a good excuse. You, you were doing something for a good cause. So I'm not, I can't give you too much heck there. <laughs> yeah, we try. But tell me about the summit. Tell me about your future plans of the summit. And if, like me, if I missed it, can any of my friends view it digitally or how does it work? Yeah, absolutely. So the summit, that was a first for us. So I've kind of mentioned that as an agency, our trajectory, right? I mean, past six, seven years, we haven't always been focused exclusively in the home improvement contractor space. But for the past little bit, we have been. One of the things that we wanted to do was sort of give back. And there's a bit of a hidden agenda in that as well. I'm going to be fully transparent. But we said, you know what? From a content marketing standpoint, obviously we blog. If you head over to webrunnermedia.com, we've got a blog on there. We look to publish good content and our mission, our goal as a company is to empower contractors to build better businesses, live better lives. So how do we do that? We've got to educate. That's a huge piece of it. Now, we don't have all the answers. We're marketers. We can help contractors from a marketing standpoint. But what about all the rest? Hiring, training, retention, potentially selling a business one day, right? There's so many things that sort of come into play there if you want to build a successful business. And we all hear these success stories where people have, they were in the grind for 20, 30 years and then boom, one day they sold their company for $60 million. I mean, that's a lot of people are out there and they want to achieve that. So the recipes there, people have done it, right? So why not get these people, talk to them the same way you and I are and just let them share their knowledge and their experiences and some of the mistakes they've made so people don't do that. So that was kind of the goal with the summit. 
And so what I did was for a couple of months, I interviewed, I think it was 21 guests, 21 people that are in the home improvement contractor space. Some were existing contractors, some are more business coaches now, but they all specialize in a certain area of growing a home service business. And so we basically did a virtual event, kind of like a conference, but strictly online. It was three days. It was free. This was in the month of May, I believe, Tersh, if I'm not wrong. So it was three days for free. We sold kind of a premium pass for people that wanted to get a lifetime access to it. And so that's it. I mean, for us, it was a huge success. We had, uh, I believe, just over 1,500 people sign up to the event. We got great feedback. Obviously, it created some opportunities for us or some companies that reached out and they said, hey, we came across you guys through the summit. Love what you're doing. Let's talk. So indirectly, we generated some business from it. But I think more importantly, the summit was just value across the board. We got a lot of emails from people saying, hey, I've got value from hearing so-and-so speak, or I was struggling in this particular area and this guy helped me. So thanks for kind of orchestrating that. So for us, it was a win. It's something I suspect we'll do again. I don't know if it'll be a yearly thing or if we'll do it every two years or whatnot, but a lot of fun. Well, that's cool. Are you selling passes? Do you have a digital pass for the past event? So that's the goal. The thing that we're doing, so WebRunner Media is our agency. The summit, we called it the Contractor Success Summit. And so past that, we said, hey, this Contractor Success thing, this is catchy. We like it. And so we registered ContractorSuccessAcademy.com and we're going to put the summit on that website and that should be available. I don't, I'm not sure when this podcast is going to be airing, Tersh, but it should be pretty soon. So people will be able to head on over to ContractorSuccessAcademy.com and that'll be the first course of hopefully what's to be many more courses. So it'll be accessible there. It'll be a paid product, but I'm happy to do a little something for your listeners and you and I can iron out those details after, see if we can't get them some sort of a discount on that. I'll share a link in the show notes later on. Perfect. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And I mean, while we're on that topic, I mean, if there's any other area where yeah, I feel like we invest a lot of time, effort, money, it's our blog. We'll publish a couple of case studies, some how-to articles. I advise people to check that out. So it's just webrunnermedia.com slash blog. And then in the event that anyone's interested in working with us, usually what we do is we'll book kind of a discovery call where we can take people through a demo where they learn more about what we're doing, see if it's of any interest, see if it might be a good fit, do the numbers make sense. And yeah, if people have an interest in moving forward with us, if they mention or make reference to a service business mastery podcast, or just your name, Tersh, we'll give people a $750 onboarding discount, which is basically applied over the first three months. So what would it normally be? Do you know that number? Yeah, we have two monthly fees. If you go to the website, uh, click on plans up at the top, they're there. So our pricing is basically, we've got two plans, the apprentice plan, the journeyman plan. One is $9.97, the other is $14.97. That's where people start off. And this excludes the media spend. Can you explain that, what that means, the media spend? Yeah. So basically when we say management fee, so that fee $9.97, this is what we charge as an agency to obviously set things up for you and then manage them on an ongoing basis. That's a flat fee, meaning that you need a budget over and above that so that we can invest money into Google ads or into Facebook ads or into retargeting and that sort of thing. So that can be anywhere from an additional $1,000 to we've got some customers spending $50,000, $60,000 a month. So again, that's a discretionary budget. Usually when we start, yes, we're in a position to advise you as to what we think would be a good starting point. We just want it to be a success, right? So that's it. Would you say that you base it off of a percentage? So if I'm trying to figure out myself, I've never spent any kind of money on pay-per-click adding 
AdWords, what should I even consider starting out my budget at? Well, that's a good question. It's going to come down to the territory you're targeting, the competitors of your industry, of course, how many languages, right? So if we've got customers here where they'll do things in multiple languages, multiple languages, if you're targeting a couple states, it's going to cost a lot more than somebody who's doing one language in one relatively small community, small county, something like that, right? Yeah. That's where your budget would need to be a little bit bigger. And then of course, some industries cost more than others. If you're doing, let's say your carpet cleaning, your residential carpet cleaning type of contractor, your leads will cost you naturally less than if you're in the disaster recovery business and you do restoration where leads can be upwards of 150 bucks. If you do metal roofing, leads can be 175, 200 bucks, right? Depends. So location, but again, you got to look at the cost of the job, the average profit you have per job, and then it just becomes a numbers game. Does it make sense or not? I've got people who are happy to spend a couple thousand bucks to acquire a customer. And that's just because there's enough margin baked into their product that it makes sense. Carpet cleaning customer whose average ticket is maybe $200 cannot afford to get leads at $100. It's just financially not feasible. So that's the way you got to look at it. That's pretty helpful. If any of my friends or anything want to reach out to you to get something set up, what's the best way to get in touch with you? So likely our website, Tersh, if they go there, I mean, you can book a demo on there. They can get in contact. I mean, you can always get in contact with me directly as well. So they can hit me up on LinkedIn, Mark Levesque. Just do a web runner, Mark Levesque. You'll find me. At the same time, they can always email me as well. So I got a long email, but <laughs> <laughs> so my email is mlevesque at webrunnermedia.com. Dot com. So Levesque is L-E-V-E-S-Q-U-E. And that's it. I'm Levesque at Webrunner Media. Okay. And if ever people want to chit chat, I mean, I love marketing, right? It's our passion. So to get on a call and talk to somebody about what they're doing and where their head's at, people love to pick my brain. I enjoy it. I get a lot of, it is very rewarding for me as well, right? Because I get to hear directly from the contractors, what's their thought process, where they're struggling, where they need help. And then sometimes that fuels some of our content for our blog, just contacts, relationships. Sometimes I'm able to help someone and it, hey, it doesn't turn into business, but a couple of months down the road, they refer us someone. And so firm believers of what you give, you get, and what goes around comes around. So, Oh yeah, that giver's gain. Yeah, exactly. It took me a while to figure that out, but it is true. <laughs> it's hard to sit down and sometimes, especially if you're busy and trying to explain things. And then the next thing you know, you've done that and you turn around and they've recommended you to a quarter million dollar client or something crazy. You never know. But yeah, is there anything that I may have missed that I should consider that you could think of? No, I mean, not really. I enjoy getting on podcasts like this. I think it's fun. We genuinely like to help people. But again, I'm also in business to make money, right? So the only way I make money is if I provide value. So I've got to provide value and try to turn a profit in doing so. I think we're pretty good at that. Our company mimics very much that of what contractors are going through, minus all the, I guess, the overhead, all the materials and the inventory and all that, right? But I'm in the people business, right? And people buy from people. So I would say if there's any advice out there when it comes to marketing, I mean, just think about the customer, right? Don't try to game the system. There's no way to game the system. There's no shortcut. You just got to do quality work. You got to show up on time. You got to deliver on the client's expectations. And then you got to put the marketing hat on after that and make sure that you collect that review, get the testimonial and take the time to share that on your social media and then get it up on your website or your landing pages and whatnot. I'd say that's probably the biggest thing, Tersh. The customers that hire us, just give an example. If two customers hire me, but one is relying exclusively on me to do his marketing. And all I'm doing is my placement system. And hey, it works. It generates leads. 
But then the contractor is not doing anything else over and above what we're doing. But then I've got another contractor who's hired us to generate leads. But then this contractor is focusing on the rate at which he's able to respond to those calls coming in, right? He's booking his appointments quick. He's focusing on his closing rate, right? So over time, the reports he's seeing that, hey, he could improve his closing a little bit. He's realized that his average ticket price, now that he's paying more attention to it, can be improved maybe with service agreements or something of that nature. And then he's putting a lot more time and effort into getting reviews and testimonials so that we can leverage that content on the website or on the landing pages and whatnot. So that guy is naturally going to just outperform that other contractor because he's putting in the time and the effort. That's ultimately it at the end of the day. There's no shortcut to success, right? I mean, it's you got to grind. You got to put the time in and you can't just wash your hands of everything, right? Marketers like us, I mean, we're at the mercy of what we're provided. So there's things that you got to do on your own. Oh, absolutely. I'm guilty of that. Oh, this is a perfect picture for Instagram and I'll take it. And then a month later, I'll be scrolling through my pictures and I'll, I never even uploaded that to Instagram. Like, like stuff like that. You got to take some time out of your day to actually make sure you're getting it done. <laughs> I'm guilty of that as well. And I think that just comes down to productivity. Uh, at the end of the day, we all love saying, oh, we're busy. We're busy. We're busy. Yeah. But <laughs> what are we busy doing? Are we being productive or are we just being busy? It comes down to, to time blocking. What's a priority for you? If you don't have the time for it, it's because it's not important. It's just not enough of a priority, right? Not enough time is the worst excuse I think anybody can ever use for anything. The last thing I'm going to ask you really quick is something that you and I haven't ever discussed before. I'm just curious, but if you could recommend a resource, whether it be reading a book or some podcast that you might recommend, what would you say? There's this guy who runs a podcast. I forget his name. It's called Service Business Mastery. I think it's pretty <laughs> No. No, jokes aside, I mean, reading is great. I love reading. Unfortunately, I don't have a great brain to remember everything that I read in the moment. I mean, the book fuels me. It gets me energized. It gets me fired up. I know a lot of people are using Audible now. One thing that I like, it's an app that lets me get book digest so I can read more books a lot faster. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. I'll have to Google that for sure. I'll get it for you. Actually, you know what? Here, let me check on my phone. What's your favorite book that you've gotten off of that? Favorite book? That's tough. I don't really have a, a favorite, to be honest with you. I like business, sales, and marketing. Those are my things, right? What I like are books that can really be impactful on your business, on your career. I'm a firm believer one book can change your life. So throughout my summit, a book that a lot of people mentioned was The E-Myth by Michael Gerber. And then there's another one. We gave away a whole bunch of books during the summit as a contest. There's a Profit First. Oh, absolutely. Michael Lewis. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that's a good one. Even Just Crushing It by Gary Vaynerchuk. His latest one. I mean, these are good books to pump you up and stuff. And the app I was referring to is called Blinkist. B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T. Blinkist. Yeah. They've changed their pricing now. I think you might have to... I know they got a free version, but yeah, I mean, it's worth it. You get little digests, you can read them. And then if you're interested, then maybe buy the book or the Audible or whatever. Oh, sweet. I'll have to check it out. I appreciate it. No problem. I'll share all your information with everybody. If anybody has any questions, I'll make sure that they reach out to you. I appreciate your time and helping me out here. Hey, awesome, Tersh. Pleasure chatting with you. And like I said, if ever anybody wants to get in contact, it's always a pleasure for me to make time to, uh, to have conversations. Great, man. I'll talk to you later. Okay, man. Cheers. All right. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Service Business Mastery Podcast. I'm Brian Orr. This podcast is a proud member of the Blue Collar Roots Network, and you can find out more by going to bluecollarroots.com. You can also listen to this podcast at 
bluecollarroots.com. The best way to listen to a podcast is by doing so on an application on your phone, an app on your phone. So if you have an Apple phone, an iPhone, then you can use the little purple tower right on your phone, call the podcast app, and listen to this podcast anytime just by typing in Service Business Mastery in the search bar and hitting subscribe. Similar process if you are on an Android device, either download the Stitcher app, you can do it there, you can also do it within the Google Play Store, and just type in Service Business Mastery, hit subscribe, and then you won't miss any of the future episodes. Also, if you're willing, reviews in the podcast app or in iTunes really help the podcast grow. So if you enjoy what you hear here, then go on the podcast app and leave us a review. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next time on the Service Business Mastery Podcast.